0: Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason. This interview was recorded on January 24th, 2018, before a performance of Helgi Thomason's The Sleeping Beauty. Hope you enjoy. Oh, I want, am I on? There I am. I want to add my welcome to all of you to the first program of the 2018 repertory season, San Francisco Ballet's 85th repertory season, which is um, quite a milestone. They're creeping up on us. <laughs> um, it's a pleasure to be here with you, as I said, and it is a very great pleasure to welcome Artistic Director and principal choreographer, Helgi Thomason, to join us to uh, give this overview of this very exciting season to come. So thank you, Helgi, so welcome. much. <clears throat> I, think I, I think I can speak for Helgi when I say that we're both very eager, in fact enthusiastically eager, to share this season with you and to uh, offer this overview, to share the excitement that everyone is feeling about what's coming along. I thought we would start really with what you're going to see, what the company looks like right now, which actually has to do with inviting some of the new dancers to the company and talking about some of the promotions that are exciting. Framing that, Helgi, would you start by answering the question, or trying to, what so many people always ask us, how do you choose your dancers, where do they come from, how do we have such a remarkable roster?
1: Well, they, <clears throat> they sort of come from everywhere, as you know. Um, years ago, I used to have open auditions um, and, um, to look for dancers. But in the last few years, several years, I have not really needed to do that. Um, I get so many applications of Mm -hmm. dancers wanting to come here. And um, that's really how it works. They send me a a DVD Mm -hmm. of, of their dancing. And if I feel that there's something that would enhance our company, the way they dance or their style... Um, I would maybe invite them to come and take classes with the company to see how they sort of fit into the company. And um, so I've chosen a few like that.
0: (laughs) And I wonder if there are certain um, specific, I want to say roles, maybe roles isn't quite the right word, that... um, um, and I don't want to say type, that's not right, but let, let's let say sometimes you're on the lookout for a tall dancer, yeah. sometimes on the lookout for a shorter dancer. So is that, yes, a, factor that uh, is a factor? That Absolutely, it is
1: a factor. It can be a, a major factor sometimes. Um, if I have a, a need for a tall male dancer, obviously I will go out looking mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. first and for, uh, foremost. Um, and... Um, I remember one year we were doing Swan Lake and I did not even have four shorter ladies Mm -hmm. to do the four cygnets, which was quite amazing. Um, So I set out to try to remedy that the following year, and um, I did. But there are times like that. You Mm -hmm. you find yourself, you were needing a certain type of a dancer. So... um, Sometimes it's just logical what you need mm-hmm. and what you need to look for, um, and and at other times there are dancers that will come through auditioning or send me tapes that are, you know, wonderful mm-hmm. dancers. Mm-hmm. But I might not have room for them. I don't. Might not have, um, for better word, just even the budget for it, um, because mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. x amount of number of dancers that I can have based on our mm-hmm. budget. So um, you know I have to be sometimes very selective of uh, you know what what do I need, what do I need for the following season, and um, who would fit mm-hmm. best for that um, one or two spots that I have available yeah. so.
0: well we 're looking at uh, images of the two new principal dancers, um, Ulrich bircher in fact i 'm going to say that of all of our international dancers. For some reason, his name has given us more trouble.
1: Okay.
0: Um, can you tell us exactly how the Danish would pronounce that? Oh,
1: probably not. <laughs> um, it's been too long since I've been there. uh uh-huh. But um, I would say Birgir.
0: Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> and um, he's a lovely dancer. Many of you yeah. might have seen him in the gala dancing the Bournenville, which, of course, he exactly. will excel yes. at. yes. Uh, he does other things equally well, and then Anna Sophia Scheller um, who comes to us from the New York City Ballet, although she had international training, I believe it 's Argentina before yes. that yeah. <clears throat> and I know there um, it 's been a little bit of a moving target, but am I right in that she is dancing Aurora in The Sleeping Beauty Tonight?
1: Yes, she is. That's
0: right. Yes. So yes. you will be very fortunate to see her
1: yeah. um, company with her, debut in with that. With the Italian partner, uh, Angelo Greco.
0: Uh, yes, and Angelo, who yeah. was promoted to soloist last year, so he's already establishment.
1: Oh, he's already, <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely.
0: Um, there have been some promotions that are exciting. Um, many of us watch the dancers and form attachments for some of the dancers. And it's so exciting when we read that a particular dancer has finally reached that benchmark and has made that promotion. Jennifer Stahl is someone who came through the San Francisco Ballet School, at least in her intermediate and advanced years, and uh, went through the core, went through being a soloist, and then you promoted her last year. Um in a word how do you recognize when um, a male or female dancer has reached that point when they're going to be named that wonderful in the french company they will be etoile they will be star yeah,
1: um, there's no formula for it no. uh, it's sort of it's very much based on the individual how they dance uh, how much they dance uh, Visiting choreographers, do they tend to use Mm -hmm. that person a lot or choose that person for their ballets or not? So, um, yeah, there are just many factors that go into that Mm decision-making on my side. Mm
0: -hmm. And then the uh, soloist promotions this year are dancers that we've been watching coming up um, in the corps de ballet. And one way that we notice that they might be ready is that they seem to be chosen by a visiting choreographer. Um, they seem to be front and center a lot uh, and do the many, many solo variations that appear in some of the classical works. Yeah. So we're going to be watching, I think, Sleeping Beauty variations very closely this season to see which of the dancers are rising to the top.
1: Yeah. There are some that are more suited to the, the pure classical mm-hmm. dancing mm-hmm. and there are others more suited to the contemporary mm-hmm. works. So um, that is also based on my decision, you know, whom to promote and how much they, uh, uh, they excel in those mm-hmm. different ways of dancing. Um, and again, also, you know, sometimes there's just something very special about a dancer. Yeah. I know immediately that uh, that dancer needs to be challenged more and given opportunities um, to tackle more difficult roles. Uh, So, you know, like I say, there's no formula for it. There's no set formula for it.
0: We have a number of new corps de ballet members, and um, a few of these dancers actually have come up as apprentices and have entered the corps this year. Um, I... I know that Solomon came from the outside. He did not come from our school.
1: No, he came from the Royal Ballet in London. Right.
0: Um, and then I do want to just sort of flip by to our apprentices, all of them trained at the San Francisco Ballet School. That's correct. Um, they will, they've, most of them, I think, all of them spent a year, as tra- at least a year as trainees. And um, that led me to thinking of my last question about dancers in the company. What is your exact role in our San Francisco Ballet School? What is the, what is the relationship that you have with our school?
1: Um, if I have time, <laughs> I, I try to really uh, see what's down there uh, on the second floor, yeah. and I follow that. <clears throat> of course, I get a great opportunity to see the progress of the students during Nutcracker yeah. because we use so many <laughs> of them on all different levels. Mm -hmm. And that is really, uh, for me, the best way to see um, what's up and coming. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have much time to teach there, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. But I work closely with uh, Patrick Armand. And um, we decide on, on, like, the the showcase uh, program. Mm -hmm. We we talked about, um, he might say, oh, you have to see so-and-so students because you might have missed that one or take a look at that one. So Mm -hmm. that's how it goes. So just put it on
0: your calendar uh, toward the end of May. I think the dates are announced. You can find them on the website or in your program. The uh, student showcase is a don't miss event. That's right. And it's lots of fun to go watch the dancers coming up through the years and then identify those that were chosen as apprentices to enter the company. And now we're watching them in... All of the ensembles.
1: Absolutely. You're, you're seeing him in, in tonight in uh, Sleeping Beauty. Right. Room.
0: Well, let's move on to talking about the season itself. Um, this is, I feel like I say this every year, it's an amazing season. But this one is really amazing. Um, I wanted to look at it, not necessarily chronologically, but I wanted to call out um, an important part of the season which is throughout the world we are celebrating or commemorating the uh, centennial of Jerome Robbins' birth and most companies are offering something and our company is so fortunate that we have a very special relationship with Robbins I think through you so would you review that for us
1: sure um I first met uh, Jaron Robbins uh, in Iceland. I was about, I think, 17 years old. He was there with his uh, company, uh, Ballet USA, uh, performing. Uh, I auditioned for him, thinking maybe I could become an apprentice or something. Um, But that company was not a a permanent company. It was something that he had assembled for a European tour. So that was not a question of getting an apprenticeship. But... um, through him, uh, he recommended me to, to come into New York and study uh, at the School of American Ballet, which is sort of the Balanchine School. Um, I came over, and um, the rest is sort of history. He, I worked with him later on when I mm-hmm. came into uh, New York City Ballet. He choreographed ballets for me. Uh, I did many of the ballets that had not been choreographed for me, but I danced them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, And some of them are, like, on that program there that you will see. Let's jump right
0: to it. Um, Opus um, 19, The Dreamer. Opus
1: 19. I I know you performed that. I performed that. Um, It had been done originally, I want to say, for Misha Ryznikov. I think so. I think he had joined New York City Ballet for a, a short period, and then he left, went back to ballet theater, I think, to direct, and I... I became mm-hmm. sort of one to follow him into that role, and also um, same situation with uh, well, with other dancers. The part de deux. Uh, yeah. Robbins had mm-hmm. choreographed that for uh, Macarava and 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 him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh in Ballet Theater, and he moved that part de deux ovary almost immediately to New York City Ballet, where Patricia McB- McBride and myself we danced this a lot. There were also um, two other couples, but I think I can say that Patty and I danced most of the performances, which was great.
0: When uh, our company has done Dances at a Gathering, and then we've done um, In the Night, which are the Robbins works to the Chopin piano music, yes. um, this seems like it completes his, his expression of the Chopin piano um, yes, I think so repertoire, yeah. and I remember um, when I I did get to see Makarova and Varishnikov do it, and I remember at the time saying if I got hit by a bus on the way home I would die happy. <laughs> it was just an extraordinary, lovely, yes, simple but not simple yeah. pas de. Deux. Um, how do Look, our dancers? Looks take?
1: very easy, but it isn't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, do our dancers enjoy doing it?
1: Uh, yes, the ones who have been learn, learning it and working on it, absolutely. I mean, there's like, what is there not to like about the part of it?
0: Another piece that you've chosen for this program, and a question I might ask is, how did you take the entire Robin's repertoire and choose four works? Um, the Cage, we haven't done that around here in a while.
1: True. Um, I just wanted to show the diversity of, of his, mm-hmm. or his range of choreography. Um, from Fancy Free, which has been around for a long, long time and is still like a classic, um, to uh, The Dreamer, which was I think the last one. Mm-hmm. But in between was The Cage and, and of course uh, other dancers. And it just showed what a, what a wonderful range that he had. Um, It was not easy to choose from so many ballets that he has choreographed. Mm -hmm. But um, sort of in a nutshell, I felt a public that might not be familiar with Robin's work, this would give them a very good uh, sample of what what he was capable of as a choreographer.
0: I wish we could... um... Ah, fancy free. The marvelous, marvelous... Entertainment. Absolutely. Um, There will be a points of view lecture later in the season about the Robbins program, and so we won't spend any more time on it tonight. Okay. But it will be um, very much worth your time, so be sure you plan on that. Um, Looking at some of the other programs on the season, uh, we have named Program Two Bright Fast. Cool blue, um, I think because blue seems to be the theme. Um, Serenade will be on that program. Um, it seems to be our only balancing this season, but I believe so. Not every season can have. Yeah, yeah. we've got so much on this season. The Chairman Dances, uh, choreographed by um, Benjamin Millepied, which is um, a really interesting piece.
1: Yeah, we did that last year's gala mm-hmm. opening with that, and then. Performed that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I th- he is, as we speak, currently working on lengthening that work a little bit. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was created for our dancers, am I right? Yes. It's, yeah. yes. And then um, this one, I want you to say two sentences about this. Uh, many of our audience is very familiar with the Copeland music. I mean, who doesn't know the Copeland right. music? And many people are familiar with the Agnes DeMille piece that was so famous back and created in the 40s, yes. um, which she called very emphatically Rodeo. Mm-hmm. And now we have this work created very recently by Justin Peck and very emphatically called Rodeo.
1: That's great. <laughs> um,
0: how uh, are we going to be able to watch it and not think about the Agnes de DeMille
1: well you just have to come and see it
0: those people who out. were fortunate to come to the gala were able to see it yeah. and I certainly heard a lot of buzz afterwards it's, positive buzz
1: it's, it's a wonderful ballet um, it's only one female dancer and all male rest uh, a lot of men dancing and um, I think it's a very exciting work um, and of course, that music is so uplifting, and you just can 't be uh, help us being swept away with it and by it. Um, can you see some resemblance a little bit here and there, but not how can I say deliberately, mm-hmm. but um, it is it, it has its own place, even though it 's mm-hmm. the same music, mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah I think it's um, a remarkable example of how that can actually happen yes like yeah, yeah. Um, many choreographers taking a famous piece of music and doing something um, how many versions of Swan Lake are there so
1: true, yeah but I think when you think of a, a shorter work mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. by uh, an American choreographer Agnes de mm-hmm. became very, very famous for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not easy to do to right. have the guts to take that music, and basically give the same name to the ballet as Rodeo or, or, or Rodeo, so um, and have a success at it. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. quite something.
0: Um, program three brings us all works created by the home team. Um, we start with your piece from 2008 on a theme of Paganini. And we have Val Canaparoli's piece from the same year, mm-hmm. uh, Ibsen's Ibsenhouse, House,
1: yeah. which
0: couldn't be more different in terms of style yeah. and um, just the way of using dancers.
1: And also sort of kind of storytelling.
0: and Yes, and yeah. character. Yeah. And then um, a very recent piece, which I think is very exciting, by... Miles Thatcher, who is a much younger dancer in the company, just starting his career, but um, can we say pretty successfully?
1: Yes, I think he's doing very well, and um, he will be part of the festival.
0: The festival we're getting to. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Yes, so this was program three, should be pretty exciting. Um, we're going to, in the interest of time, kind of fly through the fact that we will be reprising Frankenstein, of course. Yep. It was last year's runaway blockbuster.
1: That's true. Yeah. And
0: um, it, um, we will be, again, presenting some programming about it yeah. later in the season. Um, it's just a way of presenting in contemporary dance um, or in the contemporary world a full length an old fashioned storytelling full length ballet
1: and and with a name like that I think that was not easy to, not easy sell let me put it that way mm-hmm. but it was amazing to me to see in this theater uh, not only sold out but people were standing back there five yeah. deep yeah. doing performances yeah. standing room Yeah. so you know we're bringing it back.
0: And this is your chance to come back and really see it again. If you saw it last year, really look at it again. Um, This is an interesting interlude. Um, After the season has been moving along, uh, we hop to the National Ballet of Canada as guests, which is delightful. Um, They are going to be performing the uh, John Newmeyer piece, Nijinsky,
1: yes.
0: which I think we had an opportunity to see about five years ago, performed by the Hamburg. B- by, by
1: the Hamburg, that's correct. Um,
0: is there um, some behind-the-scenes reason why we have this lovely interlude in our season?
1: Oh, absolutely, because... <laughs> um, and we are sort of getting at that, that uh, Unbound Festival with 12 new works. Uh, <clears throat> we, I needed a period of time where we could... Bring all 12 choreographers together, reworking, um, or not reworking, but rehearsing their work before they got sta- put on the stage. And for that, we needed a period of time <clears throat> to use a stage, at least in the afternoon. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so the logical thing for me was just to invite another company here to mm. take up those performance. Uh, Nights that we just didn't have time to do in the preparation of 12 new works, which is unheard of.
0: Well, that's almost the introduction. Okay. (laughs) We need to say a few words about Sleeping Beauty, which this audience will see tonight. Um, You have brought back this overworked word, iconic, classic, Um, after 10 years... So we are going to be seeing pretty much all new interpreters of the roles in the piece, are we not?
1: Uh, yes, you could mm-hmm. say that. I mean, majority of, of the dancers mm-hmm. in the company um, are new to the work, and um, many of them, even last night, were dancing the leading roles for the first time uh-huh. in their lives. Um, 10 years is a long time in a dancer's career mm-hmm. uh, because their careers is so short. Um, they might not have been here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we're not here 10 years ago. And they might have been someone been in the school getting ready to be apprentices or whatever. But um, no, so I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have it back. I'm really very excited about it.
0: And it is the absolutely ultimate epitome of the classical style, presenting the classic ballet, and that asks our dancers to do something very specific when they're performing, and then I'm going to turn my page, and we're talking unbound, and they're doing such different things. We've often talked about how um, the classic training informs the modern works, (coughs) Mm -hmm. Do you think our dancers approach doing a classic piece like the Sleeping Beauty better, differently, especially, because they have so much opportunity to do contemporary work, to be pushed in different ways.
1: No that way. I don't think so. Hmm. Because <coughs> particularly with Sleeping Beauty, it is such a pure classical ballet based on the purity of the classical vocabulary, the technique. That that's what they have to master and that's how we train every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it, it looks probably very easy to you or simple when you see it. Uh, there's no effort. But believe me, those this is one of the most difficult dancing you will see uh, any time. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, to master that you really have to have a very solid, good um, classical mm-hmm. vocabulary t- uh, training. And um, whereas the, the more the contemporary, there's freer. Uh, it lets you um, your body move differently. It, it, it's more flow here. It's more stylized. Um, and that's just because that's how it was choreographed. Mm-hmm. and uh, And that is the style of the ballet. Mm-hmm. And yet it is so important for the dancers to, to experience this kind of a um, purity of, of classical ballet, uh, because it would only make them better dancers mm-hmm. from working on those ba- those ballets like Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake, Giselle. Um, and the interesting thing is, is they dance the contemporary works better. I think uh-huh. because of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, strength and finding your core is certainly something that the classical ballet requires. We have just a few images um, from the uh, last couple of days. um, And we were making a little bit, oops, not quite, um, of a joke about the fact this is our only tutu ballet for this season
1: but there are a lot of them lots of tutus lots of tutus and lots of tutus, <laughs>
0: lots and lots of tutus. so they're actually
1: exquisite yes yeah.
0: oh and they are the costuming yeah. is beautiful so this is the, tonight is your experience of opulence and classicism and history yes. so this book ends the season and now we're ready um it's there are lots and lots of uh, program. there will be lots of programming around the Unbound Festival. So what we say tonight is just an introduction, a teaser. Um, there is a festival or a, a symposium, which is called Boundless, which will take place during the um, period of time that the works are being presented. Uh, there are going to be um, films made that are based on the new works. Yes. Yes. Um, I can't even begin to list all of the things that are going to be happening around the festival. It is on the website. It is in your program. So right now, um, keep keep your eyes out for all of that. Right now, I want you to tell me first of all why.
1: <laughs> why not? Good answer. i I think um, uh, dance is going through uh, a phase of changing, and I wanted to know what um, the um, today's most sought after choreographers are doing what 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 are they thinking <clears throat> what where are they heading <clears throat> what do they want to do, and why not invite them? Or a whole bunch of them, twelve. <coughs> <laughs> a whole bunch of them <laughs> um, to San Francisco, yeah. and and create something what, in some cases, they might not have had the opportunity to do before, um, because so often when a choreographers are engaged by any company, uh, there might be a request for a, um, a dance work or a, a Dramatic work or whatever, and in this case, I said, "If there's anything that you haven't done or would like to do or, or might not do it now, so I think in few few of them took that opportunity absolutely, and uh, so I think it's it was just to show us uh, where where ballet is in 2018, and maybe. Have a glimpse into where it's heading. Uh, we might not get a definitive answer out of mm-hmm. that, but I thought it would be very interesting okay. to ask the question of these um, you know, m- talented today's choreographers and who are working all over the world. Um, and I think so to the best of my knowledge, uh, this this has never been done anywhere where you have 12 um, choreographers coming in and premiering 12 works in less than a week, which is... um,
0: Remarkable.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: superlatives just fail me. Um, This, you must have been planning this for... A
1: couple of years. A couple of years. Yes.
0: And I'm... um, I'm just trying to imagine the invitations to all these different choreographers. Um, were Did you get good, quick response from them? Oh,
1: absolutely. It was like, oh, count me in, you know. Uh-huh. It was, um, I would say, everyone we have now, I mean, there was never even a hesitation. There was like, yes, please, please, let me be part of that. Uh-huh.
0: I can only imagine that the logistics were... Pretty um, challenging.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, yes, they were. And uh, luckily, we have a wonderful organization, Mm -hmm. Uh, not only the administrative side, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the production, wardrobe, music. We all Mm -hmm. work together on this. And um, I think each work is so different from one another, which Mm -hmm. was, Mm -hmm. was amazing to see. Uh, and it, it really what I was hoping there would be, but seeing him in the rehearsal this summer and fall, um, that struck me mm-hmm. that, you know, the, here there are 12 different choreographers. Um, and yet, I didn't say to myself, well, that's very much like his or hers or whatever. Uh-huh. They were very, very different. Um,
0: the The rehearsal process... Um, I was fortunate to be hanging around a little bit during the process and um, watched how the the periods of time were blocked off. In other words, there were about three weeks for each group of choreographers.
1: Yes. And I had it, three. I had any given time, I had three choreographers working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I divided the company down in three different groups equally um, in the strength of core soloist principle uh-huh. that way um, it gave each choreographer uh, enough time or opportunity to use whole, all day of rehearsing with the same people sometimes, not very often that happens if you have two choreographers working at the same time um, they might choose some of the same dancers which means then they have to but, wait yeah, another yeah. hour or two hours before they mm-hmm. could get that dancer or vice versa Whereas this time, they could just stay focused all day long with their group Mm -hmm. and and get it done in three weeks.
0: So in two or three weeks, you had three choreographers, and then there was a changing of the guard, and you had the next three. the next three. And
1: And sometimes a little bit of overlap, you know, depending on... Right,
0: um, right. Um, And then the groups of dancers, um, did they give themselves team names, (laughs) the... uh,
1: not that I'm aware of, but uh, <laughs> the dancers may <laughs> Maybe have, they did. Um
0: So each each team of dancers actually then had the opportunity to work with four different choreographers, yes, yes. but but not with the other eight.
1: No, I, I mean that's that would, would have been almost right, in, impossible right. because yeah. then you would go into the situation that choreographers are using the same yeah, dancers. Yeah. And who was going to get that dancer for the first two hours, and yeah. and the other one has to wait until the end of the day, and and uh, you know that's very difficult to uh, to organize a major sure. event like sure. this.
0: How did the dancers respond to this um, almost stimulus overwhelm of creativity?
1: Well, I think they were challenged by it absolutely <laughs> because. Um, having 12 different choreographers, you discover very quickly that each one, or maybe not, yeah, each one, many of them, have a very different way of working. And uh, so that was new to many of the dancers of of sort of how a person choreographed. Um, in one instance, I, I was aware of that well, most of the time when a choreographer is choreographing, they, he or she will make up the passage of, of eight bars of music or something and show them what they want and, and try this, try that, and, and show me that again, you know, and they, the choreographer shows the dancer what they want. Well, in some instances, one or two, there was um, the choreographer who sort of looked at a dancer and put the music on and said, now what would you do to that? Show me how you move. What would you do? And then pick out of that sort mm-hmm. of, oh, that's an interesting idea. I will use that and put that in there.
0: That must have been So
1: that was really new, new to dancers yeah. to sort of be the yeah. one to be asked to to contribute a choreography to to a, a piece of, of ballet.
0: I want to um, give the audience a heads up that we um, are going to try and get some questions from you, if you have questions. So this would be your time to begin making your way to the mic, which is right here in front of the orchestra pit. Um, I, and while you're making your way down the aisle to the mic, I do have um, i have the, some images of the programs. The last thing that we should explain, perhaps, or try to explain, there were 12 works. Now, you can't sit through an evening of all of these 12 works because that would go on way too long yeah. um, so you had to somehow or rather come up with dividing it up
1: well there are basically four programs so, there, ballets. Yeah.
0: so yeah. we have program A mm-hmm. and B and C and D and the audience needs to come to all four of them of course because <laughs> you don't want to just come to one and not the others um, how much of a challenge was it for you to provide that programming, to decide which program was going to be which? It,
1: it wasn't easy. It wasn't. No. <laughs> I
0: can only imagine that it wasn't easy.
1: And also because um, <clears throat> it, there was some, I think two or three instances with recorded music. It just cannot be mm-hmm. played by the mm-hmm. orchestra, electronic or, or whatever. You know, make sure that they're not on the all on the same program. Mm-hmm. And um, being that uh, these are choreographers who are working constantly, um, and I had to take into account their scheduling. So in, in two or three instances was like, well, um, please put me up on program A because I cannot be there later in the week to be on program C. Oh. And, and, and then somebody else came to me and said, well, I can only be on, on, on the last program because I have prior commitment in Europe, so can you do that for me? You know, mm-hmm. so it was—it oh, was, was not easy. So.
0: Um, I'm just skimming through. Um, I'm not seeing anybody coming down. Is there, are there going to be some questions? We're ready for your questions. No questions. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a backup. Um, two of these choreographers. No more than two had never worked with San Francisco Ballet. Some of them had worked with us a lot. Um, for instance, Christopher Wheeldon, Stanton Welch. Yeah. Um, Justin Peck had done a couple of things for us, um, but Kathy Marsden is mm-hmm. an, an absolute newcomer. Um, Dwight Roden, David yeah. Dawson. Um, how did you talent spot these choreographers? that have never worked with us.
1: Well, I, I wanted to mix it up, really, to uh, bring choreographers that I was not only familiar with and and in the respected mm-hmm. who had been, done works for us, but at the same time bring in choreographers like... Um, you mentioned David Dawson, mm-hmm. for instance. I had seen his work in Europe. I had met him on several occasions. I thought he was somebody really uh, who uses the classical vocabulary... But in a very contemporary way, that it would be interesting for us to to have someone like that. He's on B. So I think mm-hmm. it, it was that type of thing. Um, Marston is more uh, a storyteller, dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not bring that also in there? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking for a variety of of, of works that would give us a. A good overall view of what is taking place in 2018 in dance and what what dance can be and uh, mm-hmm. and should be.
0: I, we really are not in a position tonight to describe each one of these works. They have all been they're all finished, correct? Yes. And they will be then staged um, with sets and lighting and all of that sort of thing during this break. During the break when when National Ballet of Canada is performing here. And then, as I said, please be on the lookout for all of the really exciting um, supplemental activity that's going to be going on. Thank you all very much for your attention. Thank you, Helgi, for taking this time to be with us. This is going to be a great season, and I look forward to seeing you all over the next few weeks. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Mary. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programming, please check our website at sfballet.org slash explore.